Hey, what's up, people? My name is Michael. Hi, everyone. My name is Yemisi. And you've got Tonya here. And you guys, welcome to this episode of the Untangled Podcast. This podcast, as usual, will feature uncensored and very candid opinions and views. What we do here is just untangle views, untangle our different ideas and perspectives to different things through various lenses. It can get a bit argumentative. It can get into a full-blown conversation. We might go into a tangent, but we are here to just have a good time to have a decent conversation and to just talk. So what's up, people? How are you guys doing today? How do you feel today? Sorry, Hey, yeah, I feel really good, actually. Uh, it's been a long weekend. Um, just the aftermath of, um, you know, attending a wedding and being, partic- uh, being a participant <laughs> in that. But yeah, everything seems pretty decent, actually. Weather is great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Tony, how are yeah. you feeling? Yeah, feeling well. Had a good, nice weekend, relaxing. My football team won this weekend. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> what football team is that? It's always great when we win. <laughs> the greatest football team in the world. Arsenal. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Oh my God. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. So, guys, today, uh, on today's topic, we are going to be talking about decolonizing African spaces. Um, it's going to be a very, very interesting topic. But before we, and we, as usual, we are going to plug in the after show at some point. But before we plug in the after show, let's uh, just talk a little bit about uh, colonization, decolonization, African spaces. What exactly uh, are we looking at here? What exactly are we trying to achieve here with this topic? What discourse are we trying to engage in? Yeah. Well, the discourse here is to understand the legacy that um, colonial administrators have left behind in in our countries, um, you know, on our continent as well. Um, there's a global conversation about you know, um, you know, systemic racism down to statues of of, of slaves traders and owners. Um, and internally, we, we're having that discussion as well in, in, in our political and our social spaces. There are debates in our leadership circles and there are debates in, in more social, you know, casual spheres around what legacy has been left behind by colonial administrators and, and are they still fit for purpose? So the, the discourse here is to try and understand that and to see how um, we assess that. Um, there are lots of streets and lots of places that are still named after people who were there to sort of almost subjugate us to their rule. Um, mm. And, you know, we've been independent for nigh on 60 years now. Um, why are we still maintaining those kind of names? And do they still serve our needs? Yeah. So you've just spoken to one aspect of um, one area that we might need to decolonize, which is, let's say, street names, names of uh, natural uh, resources, like, for instance, Lake Victoria, sorry, Victoria Falls. Um, uh, We've also talked about uh, 
so like naming, the naming structure and the naming of certain places, if you go to Namibia, are a lot of their names. Uh, even the capital, Ventuk, is uh, it's a German word, is a German name, uh, Swakopmund. And you come to Nigeria, they are see, um, uh, Lagos. Lagos itself, the name is Portuguese. Um, uh, Victoria Island, a name that is to honor uh, Queen Victoria. Uh, Lugard Avenue, a name that is to honor, which is in the Koyi area, which is in like, you know, the eyebrow area, to honor uh, the first Nigerian Governor General Sir Frederick Lugard, who was, who contributed into the, you know, enslavement of Nigerians, especially in the North and in the South. Um, there is Bodilon. Bodilon was the uh, governor and first, uh, sorry, the governor and commander-in-chief of Nigeria at some point. And there are all of these structures and all of these buildings, even uh, hospitals, uh, um, all of these spaces where we still have these names that celebrates or these names that uh, uh, came from as a result of the colonial past and colonial administration. Uh, so the conversation today is about the need for us to, you know, decolonize African spaces, whether it's the name of streets, whether it's the name of uh, or, or a natural resource, uh, whether it's our minds, because our minds is how we, you can consider our minds as a space as well, whether it's to get rid of the colonial mentality and colonial mindsets. And so this topic is, is a very, very interesting one, and I can't wait for us to plug it in. Uh, but Yems, I want your opinion on this topic, because we, guys, if you missed the live show, the live show is, on our, is posted on our Instagram, and then we're going to plug in the after show. So we talked a lot about it. At this point, we're almost exhausted about talking about this thing, but we will keep pushing and keep fighting the good fights. So Yems, what do you think about decolonizing African spaces? And what spaces are coming to your mind? Well, I think that there's a lot to be said about decolonizing African spaces. I think it's a conversation that is long overdue. Um, I think that um, the first thing would be to understand what decolonization really means, which is basically about you reclaiming what has been lost uh, or honoring what you still have and rediscovering what your value is, the, the uh, value that was suppressed um, when, um, at the point where you were colonized. Now, there are different ways in which you can reclaim that. Um, you can start by decolonizing your mindset in terms of understanding what it actually means to have a, still have a colonial mindset, even though you are, you are now um, living as a free country, right? Um, you need to understand what that mindset is. You need to also decolonize the, the, your, your, the language that you speak, your, your attachment to your culture, your attachment to your tradition, uh, the kind of clothes you wear, how you view other people from your ethnic group um, in terms of if you still perceive them as inferior to your colonizers and um, a host of other um, uh, points there. Even your education system, we discussed that on the live show. Your education system, some of the names that you name your children, um, and um, even to an extent also religion. I know we didn't touch base on that at all, but we discussed in one of our, you know, one of our live sessions about how African religion was 
African spirituality has been demonized. Decolonization of your religion is also part of the conversation that we need to have. So I think it spans across different, different topics. It's a very, very broad one. But we can start from, from what we do in our own small space. Like how, how well do we... Um, how well do we value our culture? How well do we value what our roots are? What are the ways in which you can learn our history to be able to understand it going forward? So that's how I feel about decolonizing. Awesome. I think you've really, really tried to sum up everything. Guys, if you missed the live show, you can watch the live show. Uh, the live show was hosted by all three of us. And the after show, we are going to plug it in a moment. And then you can engage and be part of the conversation. But before I plug in the live share, I just wanted to pull up this article that was posted on BBC uh, a couple of days ago. <clears throat> and it reads, Lagos lawmakers propose to decolonize street names. Elected officials in Nigeria's Lagos state have called on the state's governor to look into renaming some of their city streets in order to remove the reminders of colonialism and slavery. During Wednesday's debate on the issue in the state house of assembly, it was reflected that African, uh, it was reflected about the killing of African-American George Floyd, which has sparked a wave of Black Lives Matter across the world. Some of the names reminds us of these people that enslaved our people. The house speaker is quoted by the Premium Times newspaper in Nigeria as saying this. So this, those, sorry, I'm going to take that again. Those who dehumanize Africans should not be celebrated, he added. So this, the, the article, you can uh, look for the article. We might add the article on the show notes of uh, this episode. You can look, at, look for the article. And of course, we, might, we are also going to add the link to uh, our conversation on the Instagram live. But the after show was uh, really, really engaging and really, really conversational. We had all these amazing people come on to talk about this uh, uh, topic and now I'm just going to stop blabbing and plugging the after show so stay tuned and listen in yeah, right. so um, back to the conversation um, regarding um, today's topic it's very interesting I'm um, for the most part, I agree with a lot of the things you guys said. Uh, we need to start um, learning to appreciate um, our heritage and our culture. Um, but I feel that we have to think about it holistically because we don't have, we don't, we shouldn't throw the baby with the bathwater in the sense that we don't, shouldn't throw everything away. There's certain things that just the way it is, and changing it won't make a difference, right? So. Um, a good example would be, for example, I mentioned earlier, and you guys explained, clarified, thank you for that, about language, right? Do we stop speaking English? And then you explain the trade language we use all over the world, which is true. Um, but if we decide to do that, right? If we decide to do that, then I always ask myself, because what I'm going to replace it with, do we have a national language, right? 
we don't really have, and one of the biggest problems we've had in this country and all over Africa is this issue of tribalism. Because, okay, let's adopt Alsa, for example, right? Then, you know, of course, you see people who would come up with all kinds of reasons why we should not. And so that's why one of the reasons why maybe English as, you know, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons why it took hold, because it's one language that we, has cut across different tribes in Nigeria. And I remember when I was in, in high school in Lagos, um, I went to boarding school and I met a lot of people from all over Nigeria at the time and we all have one common language which was English, right? So, um, which is on, on focus, other languages, other countries, like I know India, look, I've been, to, I've been in the US for a while, um, in countries like India and even Pakistan, they have like a national language other than English, um, which, you know, I got to realize when I got here but I remember I had some Pakistani friends who were classmates and we met another Nigerian lady um, who I didn't know before, but she was friends with one of the Pakistani guys. And then we met and we started talking and then we, they, they were like, can't you guys speak in a language that we can't understand? Um, I said no, because the, the lady herself was from Edo State. I happened to be from um, Enugu State. So she, they were like, don't you guys have a, like, a language you guys can speak that you, you don't understand? And I, the rest of us, like the remaining guys, people, and I was like, no, we only speak English. And the guy was like, shame on you. Shame on you. You mean you guys can't discuss or converse in the way that we, the rest of us can't understand? I said, no, we just speak English. We speak pidgin also, but it's still a form of English. So they were like, shame on you. So they told me their own language. I think they speak Urdu, which is their national language in Pakistan. And in India, most of them speak um, <coughs> Hindi. Um, even though they have their own native language from where they are from and things like that, you know, but we don't have, you know, unfortunately. Even so, though, non, yeah. non, so, non, so I hear you. And um, my question now is, why don't we? Because in a country with um, so many languages, our uh, Nigeria is so diverse. Mm -hmm. um, we have so many in terms of our co uh, culture and tradition mm -hmm. and, you know, what we represent. Mm -hmm. we, we are so diverse. We're a diverse bunch. So in yeah. terms of Nigeria, there are over how many million people in Nigeria? And there are over 500 native languages spoken in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And 500 is a huge number. We always, I, I feel like at, to some extent, um, taking Nigeria as the case study uh, here, to some extent, we always look at our diversity as a blessing rather than, as a course rather than a blessing. We always tend to say, but we are so different. We are so this, we are so, but the crux of the conversation is why don't we have a national language? If we, of course, just based on the way humanity is, some people will always be the minority. Some people will always be oppressed, but there's one, you, you can still bring forth a language out of the 500 that we have present in Nigeria. There are some that are really, really predominant, regardless of the reasons why they are predominant. We have the, you know, Yoruba itself. We have the Alsa, we have the Igbo, and we have all these other languages. Number one, why don't we, you know, take into consideration one, or even if we are taking into consideration one as our national language, it doesn't stop us from learning the universal one. It's almost like you knowing how to speak uh, Swahili and knowing how to speak Yoruba. 
Swahili in Western Africa, sorry, Eastern Africa is, you know, common. If you go to Tanzania, it there might be slight variations, but Tanzania, uh, um, Kenya, are, um, I'm sure that maybe a bit of Uganda and maybe Rwanda. So Swahili is kind of like popular in those regions and it cuts across. So why don't we have one if we are talking about Nigeria in the Nigerian context or in other African contexts, why don't they have one as the universal language? Because if we are, if they have that one as a universal or national language rather, then it would be easier for us to communicate in that way. And when we want to go out to um, create opportunities or make businesses or business contacts or trade with other people in the international platform, we are still, are we are still in a position of power by understanding English as well. So the point here, I think I've, I've gone on a um, tangent. My point here is, why don't we have one, at least in Nigeria, that is our national language that is local to us? That's number one. Then number two is, why are our languages not taught in schools? The average Yoruba person or the average Igbo person might be able to speak Igbo just because of our tradition and our culture and because of the fact that we speak it locally. But they might not be able to write it. Are codes written in these languages? Are we writing in these languages? Are we communicating apart from speaking in these languages? Not as much. In schools, we have taken uh, um, the colonial system of education so much so that we do not amplify ours. Our local languages are not being taught. My father speaks all the major, my father speaks outside, he speaks Yoruba, he speaks Igbo, and then he speaks my language. So our diversity should be a blessing to us, should make us, you know, multilingual. You get what I mean? As opposed to many of us just sticking with one language, which is English, and saying, okay, that's the universal common one, uh, universal language, and we go by it, and not even having one national one, and not even understanding how to write and speak our own. I don't know if you get what I mean, Nonso. I, I completely understand, um, Michael. I completely understand, and I agree with you, actually. Um, I feel that we should um, start moving towards that direction. And yes, yeah, so to answer your first question about what don't we have, I, I'm not really sure why, um, but um, we can start from somewhere. I, I know I, I read about, I did some little research about like the Pakistan, no, the Indian, how they ended up in Hindi as uh, a national language. I heard that even when they got their independence from Britain, you know, they, they, they actually had that discussion um, during the uh, formation of their new um, republic as a, an independent country. And it was a serious battle. They were, you know, threats of like secession from the country to form their own units and stuff like that because it was a very diverse country as well. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a lot of struggle, but eventually somehow they were able to force it on everybody. Uh, people didn't like it, but they were able to force it on a lot of people. They, they kind of forced people to, into it. Um, mm -hmm. Even in China, China, China was even worse because China was also a very diverse place, but now they speak two major languages, Mandarin and Cantonese. I think Mandarin is the predominant one. Mm -hmm. Mandarin, they actually had to butcher and kill people like you know to, to force you know but to an extent now you know almost everybody in china speaks um mandarin so 
I, I don't think we should take that part in Nigeria. I think we should just if we to dialogue and not try to eliminate, like also encourage. And strongly, personally, in my own opinion, I think I'll prefer to go with outside the national language, national language for Nigeria. So people might disagree with me, but I feel that outside is a language that I've met more Nigerians who are not outside speaking outside than outsiders who can who are not who don't speak other languages. I don't know reason why people say outside is easier. It's possible it's easier. Uh, but I've met a lot of people from different parts of Nigeria who can speak Hausa quite well. Um, but I don't see the reverse being the case. So I feel it's a language that, you know, for the most part, uh, might be... And it doesn't make, you know, but always people who always talk about, oh, um, you're trying to, you know, cultural appropriate, you know, that kinds of things. People are going to come with all kinds of reasons. But I feel we can start somewhere. We can start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like we should even we even that we should even get to the space of being yeah. able to say, okay, which one should be our national language? Yeah. I feel like we should even get to that space. Then we can, you know, fight it out. And then I will tell you how the Ibibio language is like the most ancient language in this country. And I will give you my reasons why Ibibio language is so easy for everyone to learn, how it's so musical, and you know, I'll give you all my reasons. But first, let's even get to that point where we are having a discussion of saying how can we get a national language that is yeah. unique to us how can we speak both english and a national language that is 100% nigerian that way if a foreigner wants to come into nigeria of course we speak english we do all of those things but if you want to really trade in nigeria and all of that you need to learn the language you need to learn this national language because that's what a lot of people speak you need to learn, um, you know, the entire structure of the language, the same way that today a lot of people are globally just based on um, uh, China's position in the world. They are learning um, the different languages that are peculiar to the Chinese people. They are learning Mandarin. They are learning, learning you know, different languages. The same way that people, if you want to go to uh, conduct business in Spain or in Germany and in some of these places, they learn some of these languages. You learn if you want to go and live there, you learn this language. So I, I re really, really feel like to some extent, we are still at that space where English is still everything to us. I'm not saying that it's all bad. I'm simply saying that if we are talking about decolonizing African spaces, uh, we also need to consider decolonizing um, things like uh, the language, things like our uh, the names of the streets, the names of buildings, the structures that we've put in place um, to honor uh, the colonial masters, the um, the educational curriculum, the curriculum in secondary school, in universities, and in all of that because all of this trickles down to the impact on colonial mindset, on, uh, trickles down to what colonial mindset is. Because if you, are, if you are born and then the first kind of education that you get, the textbooks that you're looking at, you're looking at all white people, you don't see yourself. You are reading it in a language that, you know, is not native to you. They tell you, learn this, study this. When you are learning something, when you are studying something, when you are reading something, you are trying to be better. You are trying to advance. So if 
this language and every other thing is being taught in this language, you are automatically saying that this language is better than our own. That way you need to aspire, you need to learn to speak this language, you need to grow. So we don't do the same, we don't place the same priority with ours, regardless of where we are, exactly. So um, if we're talking about decolonizing African spaces, it's also, uh, the language is also important that we look at and other aspects of, and other spaces in general. Yes, speaking about languages, um, um, uh, educating, you know, our children, future, future generation. I think the best thing is to start from, I'm talking about from personal experience now, the best thing is to start from childhood, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are lots of people, I'll, I'll again go back, but I've always I've given this in some deep thoughts. Um, not today, it's been a while, I've been thinking about like the eroding of our native languages in Nigeria. You know, there are people who think of your Think they're sophisticated if they can just even me i'll be honest with you this thing happened to me a long time ago when i was younger you know um i used to i never really the the the, the incentive to speak my native language wasn't really there um i was you know and then even when i was in primary school i remember when i was in primary school they'll tell you not to speak vernacular you know you can't speak vernacular you're in trouble and yeah like that, mm -hmm. you know and i remember as a very as a child growing up one of the earliest books I remember reading. I don't know why I can remember. Maybe because I saw it in my younger one. It's called Queen's Premier. I hope, hopefully we're no longer still using that now. Um, but I think we started at a very young age because I think at a very young age, children are very capable of absorbing multiple languages. When you get older, it's a little more difficult. Like me, I struggle. I don't speak my language very fluent, my native language very fluently, right? And my parents told me that the reason why that is the case was because um, they thought, okay, they're both Igbo, we're going to, we're Igbo, somehow we're going to learn, so they didn't give it a priority. Um, but by the time they realized, and were trying to, like, panic, panically trying to down and, and engage us in speaking Igbo, the interest wasn't there anymore. We, we had kind of lost interest in that, and it was hard to kind of enforce. Uh, even, you know, so it was a little bit difficult, but if you started at a very tender you can actually learn multiple languages. My parents, for example, speak Igbo and English very fluently. Um, like you said, Michael, your, your dad speaks multiple Nigerian languages. And some of my Indian friends who I was speaking to, many of them can speak like three languages. They can speak Hindi, the national language. They can speak English. They can speak their native language. And then, the, in, this is interesting, they can speak a fourth language, which is the language of maybe the city they grew up in. So imagine a situation whereby you're Igbo, you learn how to speak Igbo, then you grew up in Lagos, you learn how to speak Yoruba, then you grow up, the, there was a national language, imagine there was a national language, maybe Hausa, you did not speak Hausa, can you imagine, right? And then mm -hmm. you speak English as well, right? Mm -hmm. But there are these same people are struggling, some of them I know, actually trying to learn maybe like German or Spanish or mm -hmm. French, and they're struggling. Mm. They're really struggling now. I'm like, wait, I, I ask them, like, wait, how come you speak four languages so fluently, right? Including English included. And then you are struggling to learn it. So, and they'll tell you it's a lot more difficult now when they were children, you know, it was just a natural thing for them. They were just learning all these things. So it's actually possible for, as a child, you, uh, you know, for, from when you're very little to learn, you know, for parents and other people who are raising you to like, try to, you, most people say, oh, you confuse a child. Um, 
if they can't, you confuse a child if if you if you speak another language to them while they're learning English in school. Really, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't think I've heard that recently. <laughs> I, I know, I bet I don't think I've actually I've heard that. that. Yeah, because not so. That. I actually like that you said something about um, you know, learning the language from when you're a child, and then yeah. you know, saying something about vernacular. Because I think that a lot of people. A lot of us, uh, when we're growing up, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're only exposed to English in schools, but we're not exposed to any other languages, except when we go to secondary school level, where mm-hmm. we had to take one of those languages, uh, you know, right. maybe in GS1 or something. But and it what I believe compulsory. is that, and in, in, I'm sorry, and it was and not it was, compulsory. Yeah. Yes, because I think it was either pick a language or pick Bible studies or something, some weird Weird thing like that, maybe like a four different um, subjects. But My yeah, the reason one. why we're having this conversation about decolonizing, you know, our spaces is because when we have conversations like this, we can start to understand the reason why we need to decolonize it for our children as well. If we can start to imbibe our languages, not just on one secondary school level of GS1, but GS1, GS2, GS3, GS4, I mean, SS1, SS2, SS3, until you get to SS3 really. If you have to learn your language on that level up until you get to SS3, that means that you can converse fluently in it. That means you can read and write in that language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that means that your, the, um, your, your ability to read novels that are written in those languages will be, will be better. And you can actually write things in that mm-hmm. language further expand mm-hmm. our identity as a nation. Mm-hmm. So that being said, I mean, language is one of them. Education is one of them. Like uh, Obina said, while we're presenting, um, your name is one of them. Um, the streets and then the roads that we're talking about, the Lake Victoria, those are also uh, constant reminders of colonialism, which some of our generations after us may not be, a, may not identify with. But if we change it to go down in history, that this is the reason why this change was made. And then it further solidifies their identity as Africans and as black people as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, I'm sure there are white Africans as well, but you know, everybody has their own truth to speak. Mm. Hi guys. So, hey, hi Obina. Oh, <laughs> oh, you can say Marx if you want. <laughs> hey, Michael. I mean, you mentioned hey, your name. So we'll we'll call you Obina, don't worry. We'll oh, okay, okay, okay. 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 It's so, it's so, it's so, no like, yo, I'm, I'm proud of you guys. I'm, I'm so proud. You guys are doing an amazing and incredible job. You guys are just, Aww. y'all are just too much. Like, you know, I, my, Michael has been telling me about it, like, you know, and he's been getting my attention. You got to watch, you got to watch, you know. And today has been awesome. I just, you know, DM Tony. I was telling him about the last interview that he had with The, the Economist. It was just amazing. Uh, you know, sorry to cut you short. Uh, yeah, so you can keep, uh, you can continue. Maybe I could, uh, you know, chime in later. Let me just be listening to you guys. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. We're excited for, to have you here, actually. It's a new face, so a new voice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, everybody who listens to Untangled, they understand that it's something that, you know, speaks to us as a community, and then everybody can kind of relate to what is being discussed. Right, um, right. Yeah, but um, I know I asked uh, you a question about mental slavery, which he, you know, eventually turned to mental entrapments. 
But um, let's ask Michael. Michael, <laughs> Michael, what do you think about mental entrapment versus mental slavery? I don't even know what mental entrapment is. <laughs> okay. I feel like Tony was trying to be politically correct there. <laughs> so, um, I mean, what exactly is slavery? When you, when you really think about it, what, what exactly is slavery? We are, we are saying mental slavery. I, um, I'm sure maybe in the context that Mr. Marley was talking about, it was in the context of, uh, you know, the transatlantic slave trade, you know, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. But Jamaica. When we are talking about slavery, it comes in different forms. It comes in, you know, you can be a slave to your job or to your work. You might call it uh, a job, but you could be a slave to it. <clears throat> it might be paying your bills. It might look like it's a mutually beneficial relationship, but it could also be destroying you. It could also be extremely toxic. And you could also be enslaved and entrapped. <laughs> and entrapped. I found a place to use that word. <laughs> and entrapped. <laughs> so you can. So when I when we talk about uh, uh, mental slavery or colonial mentality, um, I like to look at how similar they are. Or even when you say me uh, mental slavery, you can easily still talk about um, colonial mindset in the context of mental slavery because then your mind is thinking, your head is thinking of all these things in all these different ways that makes you lesser as a black person or as a person of color, that makes you inferior. So it could mental slavery and colonial mentality. Colonial mentality is simply a mentality where you think that everything that the colonial masters brought or everything that the people that colonized us represents, or maybe not everything that most things or different things are far superior to what we as a people know and represent. Mm -hmm. And I'm true examples like in terms of uh, uh, the service industry, like, the service, the culture, the tradition. We, during the live show, we talked about things like the way that we dress, the way that Africans wear suits and tie in a very, very, very ash hot climate. climate. We still wear it too. We still, you see people wear suits and tie and all of that, and then they still jump buses. So the, that way of thinking, okay, if you don't dress this way, if you don't dress corporately, uh, the societal structure of this is how you dress if you're a corporate person, if you're working in, the, in a corporate organization, if you want to be successful, that construct has more or less put the African attire and African uh, traditional wears into a relegated into something that we wear on the weekends and something that we should wear in certain spaces and not in certain spaces. So it shows up in so many ways, uh, all of this, the way that we think, the way that our mindset and uh, society has structured us. It shows up in ways where we look at, when we look at colorism, where we feel like a lighter skin or someone white is more beautiful, likely to be more intelligent, likely to be more successful than someone with a darker skin. And where it plays out naturally, where people actively prefer 
those kinds, um, th that, that particular skin tone or a particular skin tone over another skin tone. So we've seen it in, it comes up in so many different ways in so many societal structures and conditioning that we need to little by little dismantle it, little by little change it and break away and free ourselves, free our thinking, free our mindsets from that mental slavery. Because the slavery context here is that you think that that person, that thing, that concept, that idea is superior to yours. Right. So, right. because, um, I mean, if you think about it as well, I mean, when there's slavery, when you talk about slavery, there's a master and there's a slave, right? So, yes. we're talking about decolonizing and uh, mental slavery. I know we've, we've talked about it more strongly from the sense of the slaves still feeling like they're slaves, and that makes them feel inferior. But I think right. we also have to understand what privilege that gives to um, um, colon our previous colonizers or for the white people, right? right? How that makes them, how that make, how that can make them tap into consciously or unconsciously their privilege as the people who colonized us. Mm, and that's yeah. why when, when we started this discussion, I wanted to approach it from a mindset point of view because when you say something about changing the street names, you know, it's just a street name. But there's a deeper meaning, there's a deeper understanding to it because sometimes the person who you think is your master is not even thinking that you're their slave. But because right. of your history, because of how much you've been programmed, you play mm -hmm. into that narrative and then that person consciously or unconsciously plays into their own privilege as well and then mm -hmm. we have a master and slave situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, uh, sorry, guys. Can I just... Uh... Uh, put something on the floor. Is it possible? Yeah. Yes. Sure. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm I'm really excited about you know 2020. This this year has been a very <laughs> has been a very different one. It's been something like no other. Right. I don't think anybody saw this coming at, at all because it it just brought a whole lot a whole you know shift to the planet to the universe like it's just different and there's a lot of changes happening everywhere in america right here in america in nigeria everywhere in africa like it's a whole paradigm you know shifts happening um uh, uh talking about you know decolonizing africa and then you mentioning uh you know the street names and everything uh the thing is if nigeria really wants to do that it's it's possible. I see that, you know, happening. That's number one. And also, there's a whole lot of things, like a whole lot of, you know, uh, colonizing that happening. Sorry, that happened. So where would you actually start from? That's number one. And then secondly, uh, when I joined in the, the after show, you were talking about, uh, you know, one language, like probably taking English or the colonizer's language or whatever, because we have the French people, and then we also have the Spanish side of things as well, too. You know, so t let's 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 use Nigeria for example. Taking English out, it's gonna be difficult. How would how would you achieve that in a country that has over five hundred languages, if I'm not mistaken? You know, so so are we? My question is, do we have to first of all? Let's even start with uh, Biafra. Does you know Biafra have to like you know be realized in a way that okay for the southeastern region? Igbo would now be the official language for the country of Biafra. And then when you go to the <laughs> South, Yoruba. There Yoruba is no Biafra up in there. 
Don't no, do no, that. No, no, hold on, hold on, there hold is on, no. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, wait. I'm, I'm just, I'm just like it's just stereotypical, like hypothetical, <laughs> hypothetically. I'm just like you yeah, know, just yes. playing with my imaginations or whatever. Yes, you know, yes, yeah. Yes. So, but it's just gonna be difficult to, you know, once you take English out, what language are you go going to use to unify everybody in Nigeria of a, a country of over 500 languages? Like it's gonna be a tug of war. Oh, this is. Uh, no, use this one. Let's go with this one. Let's go with that one. You know, so, so it's uh, it's really far fetched. Let me just put it put it that way. Because Africa has too many languages. It's so many languages in Africa, not just Nigeria. If you go to other African countries, it's a whole lot. Like the the continent of Africa is so rich in so many things. So where would you start in you know bringing the whole culture together? So, Toya, um, Toya, sorry, sorry, before you just go, let me quickly uh, tell Max something, uh, Obina okay. something. So there is, <laughs> before you joined, I did say something along the lines of many times, okay. um, Africans, Nigerians, okay. we tend to see our diversity more like a cost, not a blessing. So okay. I also really do think that we need to shift that narrative and that mindset where we think, okay, because we are so different, because we have all these plenty uh, languages and different cultures and traditions that right. it's going to be very difficult. No, it, it, of course it's going, to, it's going to be tricky, but right. it's possible. But Tonya, let me allow you to uh, respond to this. I just wanted to throw that in there just before you go. Thanks. Actually, Thank you. What, you, you what, you said, what you said really actually... Um, it, it endorses what I was going to say um, in terms of our diversity and celebrating our diversity. Um, our situation is unique and we need, for sort of a unique situation, we need new ideas. We need new, right. new ways of thinking. That's why what right. you suggested and, and your idea about, oh, is it going to be this, is not so far-fetched. It's, it's something to just put on the board and say, can it actually work? I think Nonso said we should have Hausa as the national language for Nigeria. Um, because of certain reasons. <laughs> See, Sammy, Sammy, the awesome man is doing I'm not even going to subscribe to that. I'm not going to subscribe to that at all. <laughs> no, no, but, 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 but I think the, you know, for, for this kind of, for us to have a, a unique situation like this, look, the, 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 the founding of Nigeria meant was, was British people drawing lines on, on a map. Right. Exactly. Um, we, we were not founded organically as a nat natural um, coexistence of people and communities. It was almost artificial, draw a line around that map and all the people within it that It was a business plan. It, it was a business plan. As part of that, yes. Yeah, but it's, but it's true. Nigeria is a, it was a business plan that, right. you know, a bunch of people sat down and they mapped out and they strategized. Okay. So we can easily still come together as a country and say, how do we strategize? How do we map out? How do we do things to our, that will benefit our system, that will benefit our people, the citizens of this nation? What is the best approach? How do we project them to the world that when they go out, they don't mm -hmm. just think Nigerian scammers, Nigerian this. They don't think of all the negative aspects of Nigeria. How do we depict Africa? And how do we strategize and map out a plan that will project Africa in the best light possible? So of it's course. all about strategy. There are people of that course. have a ton of degrees about, you know, putting shit like this together. Oh, so, sorry, sorry, Michael. We need uh, them to uh, come uh, forward. So, so, sorry, so, sorry, Michael. Um, uh, I yeah. can see uh, um, uh, Nonso. Uh, yeah. He said we're already disagreeing and all of that. Let me tell you something. Nigeria, Nigeria, I'm using Nigeria as an example because we're talking about Nigeria. We've not even gotten to other African, uh, you know, nations. Now, Nigeria 
as a whole, as a people, we are strongly opinionated and resilient. Every tribe and uh, ethnic groups all have their features, which makes them unique. And, and uh, whether you like it or not, everybody would keep promoting what they are made of. You understand? So uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it disagreeing per se, but I would say that um, uh, it's just our nature. Like we just have to shine in whichever spot that we are. That, Michael, we've had this conversation before where I was talking about, remember the last conversation that we had on, on the long phone call? And I was like, why is it that the British people, it was the houses the that they, they, they chose to, you know, give power before they left Nigeria, you know? Why the houses? What happened to the to, to, to Southeast? What happened to there's, Southwest? There's, there's definitely we, a... Sorry, sorry, Max. Okay, you finish. I thought I was. I thought you had finished. I was going to jump in there. No, um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to round. I'm going to round up pretty soon. I'm, uh, sorry, Toya. You know, and then, Michael, we're talking about that, and then, and then we started talking about you know how every region has its futures and what makes them thick, what makes them, what makes them unique, and what makes them you know really uh, you know stand out, and how I'm saying this, Michael, because of the business plan that you talked about. That's exactly what it is. You know, at the end of the day, the West would have to, you know, they would leave and still put up a structure in place so that they can keep benefiting from afar. You get what I'm saying? You know, so like it's, 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 this topic is, is robust. <laughs> it's just large. I, I'm yeah. so confused. I don't even know what to say anymore. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, um, yeah. You, I think you, you've said it. What you said, what you didn't know, you've answered the question. They, they tried to continue to exert their influence, and that's why they gave it to the north for for those strategic reasons. Um, I think Sunny was going to jump in and say something. No, no. Say, uh, before Sunny comes in, Nonso raised this hand, so Nonso can come in. Nonso has also been typing a lot, so Nonso, you go first. Sorry, Sunny. Nonso. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, my my mic was off stuff um yeah so um actually i was trying to respond to something michael you said a lot earlier you know like um like the issue of even our outfit right our outfit our attire right like wearing suits in very hot weather for example nigeria like to me doesn't make sense even fella i like to listen to fella sometimes because he he talks about in one of his songs i know be gentleman exactly right you know and he got me thinking a lot about all these things he always talks about right no, why do we have to do that? But um, I may have to push back a little bit on that because um, I think just like language, like English, for example, um, the, the outfit we wear has almost become a universal. There's certain outfits that are considered formal and it has almost become universal, right? For example, suits is no longer um, restricted to Europe. Now all over the world, even the Chinese, the so-called um, Asian giants, I see them at you know, international meetings and stuff like that. And they always wear suits, right? I'm not saying it's the best thing, but I think if you want to do it, it has to be something that has to be at a global level. So, okay, you know what? This issue of wearing suits shouldn't be, you know, in a formal setting per se, right? I remember some, some corporate organizations where I think on Fridays, you are allowed to wear your native outfit, but Monday to Thursday, you wear suits. We can start from there, maybe make it maybe three times a week or something like that. But I think the whole issue of what it is called about like, what constitutes a formal outfit? Or should we even get rid of the whole thing of it's an, a formal outfit? It's not a formal outfit, just like that. And certain outfits, like a t-shirt, right? 
is it is it <laughs> some of us are wearing t-shirts in here right is honestly it... no so it's not necessarily about um i, I mean my own yeah. opinion yeah. it's not necessarily about you know telling people what to wear or what not to wear it's yeah. um it's more because i mean you're getting married you wear your traditional wear you wear suits you wear everything yeah. else and like you've said wearing suits mm-hmm. is has become acceptable around the world it doesn't matter yeah. what country you come from yeah um the reason why we said something about wearing suits is um in 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 um, organizations such as yeah. you know you should be given the choice they've been doing this um dress uh, in your native attire on friday for years now honestly yeah. i think it's That's tired true. it's tired because yeah, I think it's sad. You you should give people the choice to either wear their traditional outfits or wear the corporate wear. It shouldn't be mandated as a some sort of rule, wherever in whatever space that you're operating, to wear only um, um, corporate English wear. So the the purpose of this conversation is not to untangle and dismantle all the structures that are already in place is to enhance and amplify what makes us Nigerians or what makes us Africans. Even when you're talking about, so because with everything we have discussed here, languages, we can't throw away English. Educational system, we can't just dismantle the entire system and then just put only local languages right off the bat. We can't do that. So every single thing has to do with allowing both of them to coexist, first of all, even if it's on equal space, and then we now start to amplify our own culture, our own traditions more, be more exposed to that. So when we say something about suits, honestly, I just have to jump in real quick because I know that it's easy for us to pick up at these things in little bits and pieces. But what we're trying to address here is the mindset that would make an organization say, oh no, you cannot um, wear suits in, you cannot, um, you cannot wear your traditional outfit Monday to Thursday. Or, oh no, you cannot um, speak your language in school or in your class, or you'll be penalized. Mm-hmm. So, vernacular. Yeah, can I say vernacular. Yeah, yeah, that being said. But um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, sorry, uh, Sonny was going to say something, if you don't mind, Monso. Um, okay. Hello, people. Beautiful people. Everybody got a video on today. Looking very <laughs> Everybody. Hey, hey, Sonny, what's up? How are you doing? Not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's been amazing. I think there's the, a the few things I, like, I was just listening in and, like, I think, Vicky, you're kind of right because you're probably echo. you know me with my, uh, what's it called, <laughs> devil's advocate. <laughs> so I'm probably going to piss somebody or all of, all of you. Uh, but you're right. I feel like there's something I always call, like, masturbatory activism and sometimes it's very easy for us to get into that where you know the road to hellfire is paved with good intentions you know we start off we want to do something real nice and then where does it stop and i always say every war should have what i call a kpi for what 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 winning the war is or else we don't know when to stop killing everybody right and how do i relate that to this is like yeah, decolonization is something that is 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 beyond physical, is beyond street names, is beyond, is a lot is like it's a lot of things. But when we are talking, is like where 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 do we start? And Mike, when the episode was said, there's something you said that um, what someone considers important is not important to another person. And one thing, uh, and I know I'm kind of all over the place, so give me a minute because I listen to so many great ideas. But one thing that 
I'll, I'll probably first ad- try to address is, um, is the point where we see the difference. I feel like uh, our differences as like Nigerians and we, we almost like want to have this, I keep hearing this national identity, right? This, this, and we always use that as a solution for colonization. I'm like, the crazy thing is that that's the same thing the colonial people brought. And they said, we need to create this one view of everybody that is very different. So in, in essence, it's like, we're literally professing the same a solution, which we claim to be the problem. Does, does that make sense? Like the white people came and said, oh, yeah, motherfuckers is different. I'm going to make y'all Nigerians, right? And we're like, no, 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 no. But then whenever we talk about these solutions, we're like, oh, we need one. What, what does it mean to be Nigerian? We need one identity. It's like, why? Where in Europe do people have one identity? Tell me where. There isn't. They have a European Union. But it's still, if you watch the European Union Parliament, everybody's speaking in their language. English is only spoken in the British Isles. That's it. Nowhere else. Right. Right. Nowhere so else. So right. I, probably have, I probably have one or two things to come back to you on that. Yeah, yeah. Like nowhere else. The French speak French. You know, the Romanians speak Romanian. The Bulgarians speak Bulgarian. The Polish speak yeah. Polish. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the Germans speak German. The Swiss speak, um, well, German, French. And like, for example, Switzerland is a perfect example. It's a country where you have four different sets of people, all right? You have the Italians, you have the Germans, you have the um, French, and then you have the Romansh people. Uh, everyone is represented by their own type of people. But we seem to see like Switzerland, we, like Switzerland is this one entity. The mm-hmm. common thing in Switzerland is they all have money and they are, they are enjoying life. <laughs> that, is, that is the common identity of the Swiss. But when you go to Switzerland, they don't see each other as like, oh, they, no, 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 I'm from Basel. Or they're from Ticino. They see, like the Italians, they see themselves as Italian. Like they were, uh, my Italian Swiss friend was even making a joke like, oh, when you come to Ticino, like everything doesn't work as well as it does in, in, in um, what's it called, Zurich, because, you know, Italians don't know how to engineer as good as the Germans. This is what a Swiss person would say. Tani, but it sounds like you're, comp- you're comparing countries to a continent. No, so the European continent yeah, mm-hmm. is, should be possibly compared to the African continent where Sudanese yeah. speaks Sudanese and, and everybody else speaks whatever mm-hmm. they speak. Um, so, but, but, you know, we, we know that the, the Europeans, for these same reasons that you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, not having a common identity, have mm-hmm. caused two world wars. And they've caused two world wars that has killed the highest amount of people on Earth. Mm-hmm. They didn't solve so, that. Okay, carry on, carry on. Well, carry on. they solved that in a way by forming the European Union. If you look right. at history, I, honestly, I hear what you're saying, but I think that it's a slightly a bit disingenuous to say it was their differences that caused the world war. If you look at the causes what, of the what, world war. What caused the world war? Which one of them? The two of them. <laughs> well, we can start from the second one. Well, I, li- I like the first one because it's like <laughs> some guy said got, got sent to kill some guy and he actually, the assassin misses his road and the guy just happens to show up in the same street <laughs> which he was drinking and he's like, oh, I was sent to kill you and I missed you and I killed But it's deeper than just identity, right? Like Austro-Hungarian empires or maybe Hitler wants more land. Yeah. At the end, it's, it takes one crazy person. We can, we can all be in, what's it called? Um, we can, let's say we had like a Biafra where everybody was, let's say even quote unquote Igbo, right? It takes one crazy person, one crazy chief that was from Anambra to say, you know what? I want more land and they still go and kill people. So I think in a way, like, it doesn't really matter whether there's culture, religion, everything. People will be people, right? That I know I'm yeah. kind of... 
Yeah. Yeah, but 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 if there are differences, then it, it means that what that one person has a more chance of going crazy and more chance of, of rallying more crazy people behind him. If there are such differences, he, you know, for example, the, uh, if we use our own example, the Biafran civil war. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one person, you know, was aggravated by the situation and mm-hmm. thought, you know, the Igbos were not being protected in the north, and that was factual actually because the Igbos were very, not being protected factual. in the north. Right. Um, right. And then, and he rallied, you know, people, and and there you go, you have a war. Um, so it's the same. It's it's almost what the same. I'm, is, I'm not saying it's only identity and culture mm-hmm. or language, mm-hmm. but those mm-hmm. things play a huge contributory factor. A hundred percent. I'm not trying to say it's a one thing or another, but I think the focus on like if we were just this homogenous group that everything will be like, okay or fine. I, I, I don't buy that. Because well, I, I don't think like we can ever be that. Yeah. Even if we were, I don't, just, I, I, I don't buy that. Like, because what it says is like, if we were this one homogenous group, or one, we, all, we find different ways. If we, we, you and I live in the UK where now people yeah. that are born in the same place are split over something as simple as Brexit or yeah. what you vote yeah. for. You, yeah. go on, you go on dating apps and uh, girls telling you if you're a Tory, don't even message me. <laughs> like, I voted for the fucking Tories. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. It's like, it's, it's human beings will always find a way because of what they consider is, is right. Yeah, but, but um, at, at, a, at a very high level, of course, there'll be differences. Like you said, you know, we're in UK, Brexit, everybody, everyone has those sort of differences within country, within small, within your family, you will have those mm-hmm. differences, your smallest, mm-hmm. you know, unit of society. Mm-hmm. But at a very high level, and think about your family again, mm-hmm. you know what your parents stand for. And almost that way, when you go to school, you project what your parents stand for. You don't want to embarrass them. You know, you kind of almost project that. And until you get to a point where, okay, you change and you become your own and you run, and you run your own family. And, you know, your kids almost follow you, follow you in that limelight. So at a very high level, there should be some... I don't think we'd ever be homogeneous, like you said. I don't think it's possible. But there should be some, some core bounding identity some core bounding things for example you think about france think mm-hmm. about the national anthem that that we have think about the national anthem that france has you watch football sunny you mm-hmm. see the passion that draws that 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 comes out in people's eyes when they're just about to play a football match and their national anthem is playing because mm-hmm. it speaks to their history it speaks to the one the things that that bind those people together in that region the france national anthem is about their revolution Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to sing it to you but but it's about that and it really it brings that passion together and they'll die to 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 win that football match playing for that country yeah. but think about us we need to think of, we need to find those common identities those common histories that we have together and use that to bind us to go forward so that so we're I, fighting for the same goal rather than fighting I, I for different goals I, I agree with you here and let me let me make quickly two examples and i like People will only not will have if you give people reasons to fight, they will fight. Mm-hmm. In history, the reasons people have fought is number one, it's just resources and control. All right? The reason why the EU is opening up is because hey, if half of my family lives in your family, why, why did people do it uh, back in the feudal ages where I'll marry your daughter? That kind of thing is like you can't come to my house and kill that kind of thing because now I'm giving you less and less reasons to fight. Again, resources, right? We seem to take this. Nigerian identity or problem and think is like a very African thing. No, if you go to Senegal, for example, right? Majority group is like 30, 40% Wolof people. And you have the Pol people, Fulani people who are like second. Then you have Sere, you have like Mandinka, Soninka and the Jula people. Now, when you go to Senegal, right? They don't do this, your Wolof and everything, but everybody, like my friend in Senegal is, he's Pol. 
proudly pulled, like you put a Jalon guy, you see him and everything. But he still sees himself as Senegalese, right? Why? Because, first of all, as a country, like, a lot of the problems we seem to have, like, that the, the reasons to actually pick out those differences, right? They, we're too busy focus, focusing on working, working together. Like, Senegal is a country where it's 90-something percent Muslim, but, like, the first president, right, is, is Christian. It's very normal. In fact, they have a system... I can't remember the phrase that they have in um, um, in Senegal. Basically, it's like this laissez-faire kind of like everybody do your own thing. Again, because the reasons to fight are not there. In Nigeria, we have so many reasons and it comes down to poverty, eh, sorry, resource and power. If people feel like power is overly centralized, it's natural. That's kind of what happened to Brexit. If you feel like the people who represent you are far away, they don't understand your reality, you will fight. If you feel like you know, someone is spilling oil on your land and you can't fish, you can't farm. Trust me, I'll, if that happened to me, I'll probably fight too. And I'm, I'm going to be like, you're the problem because you speak different to me or you look different to me. But if, trust me, you came to my land and you were helping me clean out the oil spillage and I was getting my fair share and everything, I'd love you, man. I want you to marry my daughter because now we're benefiting from the... This is, I think, what we need to focus on as a nation versus... What? Resources. You know, Part of the problem, resources versus, oh, we're so different. So our realities have to be, no, we're so different. That's amazing. How can we make these things, like, how can we work together and make these differences amazing? That's, yeah. That's I think we're saying the same thing then. Because, because I, I fully agree with you that we're so diverse and different. We need to sort of embrace those, that diversity and use that to our advantage. Um, although we need also to have, you know, a single, that's why we have a national anthem. That's why we have a pledge. That's why we have those kind of single, single communal things that we can all, we can all read to. It does not mean that it takes away from your difference or from your diversity. Um, and I think, I think you're right in terms of resources. That's how the European Union was formed as well, to trade and sell within these countries that were fighting with each other. So once they brought in, oh, let's trade now rather than fight with each other. We, well, this is the longest time we've had peace in the world for, for um, you know, as in Europe at least for, for as long as possible because, because of the European Union. It's, it's, it's held that peace together um, because now they're trading with each other um, and they're freely able to move within, you know, countries and, and all that. So I think generally we, we are on the same point. Um, I, think, I think Mike also mentioned, you know, about our diversity and being able to embrace that. Um, and using that to sort of propel us forward. Shameless okay. plug, by the way, to so all the Igbo speakers, go check out the new script that Sugar Belly Design called in Debe script. Shit has been going up crazy on Twitter. Yes, Shame. I know. It's been amazing. Uh, that's my friend. Like, I, I saw it. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Can you, can you catch me up on that? Uh, explain, can you explain that? Because I, I probably have been missing on that. Yeah, so she created a an entirely new like writing system for the Igbo language. She did take some, well, she tried to basically modernize in CDB at first, but she realized it wasn't fit for purpose for what she wanted to do. And then she created an entirely new script. And like a lot of people, even non-Igbo speakers are picking it up like this. Like, wow. It's, okay. uh, she's, she's launched a book. Um, so I think generally I'm, you know, you know me, I am pro. I think an Igbo man should be able to go to Anambra and the ATM should, should relate to him in a way that he can. And the funny thing is, uh, me being from the North, this is actually something that is very common in North, Northern Nigerian day-to-day -day life. It's, mm -hmm. actually, it's actually very interesting. It's like a lot of the things we're talking about, like the average Northern Nigerian day-to-day -day life is done in, well, majority house. I'm not house, I speak house fluently. 
but it's right. a majority house. And you see the same thing in like Niger, which is the only country in the world where majority people are Hausa, but they speak French. And then right. you see the same thing in Northern Ghana. And these are like, they have canny, they have like million dollar industries. But mm-hmm. I feel like we can actually learn from that. Like these are people that, you know, we can say education. I mean, you all know the indices of the North. I don't need to, <laughs> to educate anybody on how, but like how have they been able to do that? Where day-to-day life, trade, a lot of things. Like North is the only place where I'll go to people. Like they have customer service. A lot of companies have customer service literally or not because my grandma is not quality to speak English to you and it's very normal like yeah, still, yeah. Sunny, sunny because because the effect of colonization in mm-hmm. terms of the language has not really affected or has not really um, gotten deep in those societies and in those places so that's the reason why they're able to function like that but really needs back in let's come back to decolonizing African spaces. What spaces do you see and what spaces do you think? Um, maybe everyone on this, uh, on this session can maybe throw in something, a word or two or a space or two that you feel like we should decolonize, um, that we should decolonize. So what spaces and what space do you think that we should decolonize? And uh, maybe a very quick example of how um, colonialism plays out in this particular space or in these spaces. Sorry, um, Michael. I know uh, Nonso was going to say something and I had him, um, you know, I put a pin on it. Nonso, do you still want to say that before we answer that question? Um, I don't remember anymore. I'll, I'll try to remember. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was trying to say something in response to something you said, but I, I was trying to remember something in response to what you said, but a lot of guys have been talking about a number of other different issues, and then um, mm-hmm. I kind of forgot that, but I'll try to remember again. But it's not that serious, yeah. Gotcha, thank you. Okay, so Sunny, you said something. Uh, do you want to speak on it? Yeah, I think finance. Um, the fact that, you know, we have Central African franc, West African franc, these are currencies that picked the French, um, what's it called? Um, Central bank. So if France is crying, these countries are crying. <laughs> you know, uh, I think in this modern day and age, I don't, I don't even understand why we're not talking about that. And while we're doing that, <laughs> I was in Senegal, I see like a bunch of Chinese taking pictures. These motherfuckers is coming to put in their money. I, I am actually a fan of, we should stop seeing Africa as a continent, but as a country. Like I know it's a very touchy thing, but I think we should start it like, I should be able to take so my basically everything that Gaddafi stood for, you would, you know, uh, um, not everything, <laughs> <laughs> not everything, SBI is a joke, not everything, everything that Gaddafi stood for, though. Well, I mean, Gaddafi had good intentions at the end of the day, he, he really had, uh, you know, good intentions. Go ahead, uh, Sam. Yeah, yeah, as all dictators, at some point, they become the enemy, they don't really realize. <laughs> 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 but yeah, but yeah, like, you know, we, we should really focus on fun because there's another colonialism coming and it's financial. The Chinese is going to own a lot. They, the Caribbean, they're almost done. It's coming. And I don't blame them because mm-hmm. guess what? China was a fucked up place. I'll take my money there and go and try to like, right. it's just, I don't blame. I don't think it's any, they're not doing anything bad. They're just saying, we got a lot of money. Right. Let's go put in this Africa so that tomorrow when they're making money, we go to chop. So I feel like we need to wake up to that and be like, yo, as a people, you know, for me, that's number one. 
Um, uh, oh my goodness. Okay, you know what? <clears throat> I think no matter what any of us, you know, suggest on this forum, I, I think that the, the, the major thing for me that I'm, I'm praying to God, praying to the universe or whatever it is that's out there is for black people to come together. We have to be together, you know? Um, uh, it doesn't matter the solution or whatever it is that we want to do or that we suggest. Whatever good thing that we bring on this platform or whatever good thing that maybe some other individuals in different locations that are, you know, also talking about the same thing in the same context, you know, it's not going to work until black people, melanated how you, people. How do you think black people can come together? Like we, uh, I, I, on a personal opinion, I feel like we are the, of course, definitely the West has a huge contribution to that. You know, we are the most divisive. We're not on the same page and a whole lot of stuff. Like it's just, uh, uh, first of all, that's the essence of this, you know, forum of decolonizing, you know, <laughs> the continent. Like we need to unlearn a lot of things that the West has imbibed into us. And if we can do that, that's, that's a great step into the right direction of coming together as, you know, Africans and also as black people. And that's why when I started talking, I, you know, I was, I was, I was being very grateful on how, you know, 2020 started like right now in America, it's a whole lot of stuff going on in the black community. I'm sure for the very first time you didn't see, you know, too many updates and feeds and, you know, of, 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 of uh, 4th of July, which was yesterday, which, you know, is America's independence. Like it used to be like a huge, big, wonderful event, but yesterday was dry as ever. No, like there was, it wasn't a lot of, you know, post about it simply because this is the highest revolutionary, you know, activism in the history of the United States with black people. You know, Michael, I sent you a video of, uh, you know, some group of black militants matching in uh, the Stone Mountain in Georgia, you know, with guns and everything to the, uh, to the KKK, where the whole Confederate, you know, thing started, you know. So um, uh, uh, already the move has started in America. Black Americans are fed up, you know. And for some Africans in diaspora that I have had a conversation with to how they're confused about what's going on, why are they protesting everything? I'm like, hey. You live here in America. Your kids are here. They're going to face challenges growing up in their careers with racism and all of that. So what are you like it or not? As long as you're Black, you're on this table. You are part of this discussion. Because when the police pulls you over, he's not going to check, oh, is it from uh, Nigeria or Ghana or whatever. First, you're Black. They will start from there you know, with whatever it is that they do before they can start, you know, tracing your roots or whatever. So uh, the revolution already has started in America. Black America is woke, you know, they're waking up right now to a whole lot of stuff, you know, and dismantling, you can see everything that's going on with the statues and all of that. So bringing it down to Africa, we need to, you know, stand up against, you know, corruption, bad governance, you know, the people, our people, pe people like myself and you were woke. We know what's to be done. We know the right thing. But our leadership is just a total nonsense. A total nonsense. You know, you cannot even bring in ideas from, from, from diaspora back to Nigeria. I remember my, my, one of my uncles in Germany. Anytime I fly to Germany, anytime I'm in Germany, we would always talk about these beautiful and amazing ideas that he's got. He's doing so much in this community in Germany with soccer and the things that he's doing. But whenever he goes to Nigeria and goes to our home state to table some of these ideas to the governor, it's as though he's speaking Latin, you know? Like he's not even being paid attention to. All right? My mom, I see, my, I see. It's, it's, sorry, Tonya, you know, my, the same thing with my mother. My mom 
my, my family, you know, we have history in Europe. My dad, you know, schooled in Europe and all of that. My mom has a couple, you know, a, 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 a number of girls, teenage girls, that she teaches how to, you know, make clothing and everything. And she gets a lot of support from her community right there in Germany. Why is she not doing this thing in Nigeria? Because every, every time you, you try to do something good or whatever, there will always be one force that will always keep fighting you. So the governor, the governance, the leadership, everything, let's even start from there. You know, first of all, I like this conversation, decolonizing. I learned a lot of things like, you know, the West came and imbibed in us and also our leadership. This is the only way, if this, all of this is out of the picture, that we can come together as black people and then, you know, implement some of the solutions that we will suggest on this forum, answering the question to Michael. I don't know. I see your frustration. Thank you, Abina. so much passion. So much passion. I see your frustration. Yeah, let me I quickly know, just dropping dropping bombs everywhere. Let me, let me quickly just mention, um, uh, maybe talk about why. Uh, why there are so many challenges on um, if the, uh, if you're like with your uncle, with your mom, of doing the same thing, of replicating maybe that model, or of making the Nigerian society or the African society or the African communities better. Um, first, it all comes back to this exact same thing of colonial mindsets, of colonial mentality, of that capitalist mindset of our leaders thinking, you know what, I need to accumulate this wealth. I need to accumulate this, you know, of, our, of the corruption, of everything that is wrong with our leadership. In addition to their selfish reasons, there is also the aspect of colonial mindset and mentality. <laughs> Sammy just sent a message that I should leave his capitalism alone. Yeah. <laughs> He's the one benefiting from clown. capitalism. Yeah, um, clown, but but look, look, there is we've we've touched on some of these reasons here, um, and we 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 said we said we said them um, as as different as we are. We need to understand that when when you're when you're doing things for Nigeria, you're doing it for the same you're doing it for the same goal. You're doing, you know, we talked about football, you know, I want a Hausa man on my football team. I want a Yoruba man. I want an Igbo man. I want, I want a guy from Bainway State. I want a guy from every left and right, from Damaturu to Yobe, from, from the top to the to River State in the bottom. I want everyone on that football team, but I want them to know that whenever they put on that shirt, they are fighting for one single thing. And that single thing is, is Nigeria. And, exactly. it's, and, and football is just an example, you know. Uh, athletics, you know, look at the Olympics. People, countries have actually put themselves on the world stage by just winning enough gold in the Olympics. They've just earned their respect by just continually winning enough gold in the Olympics. Look at the respect that we give Jamaica now. Look at how they actually turn themselves around. Well, just because of... Sorry, Zani, go on. Oh, carry on. Sorry, I was just saying, like, you do know, like, let's be real, though. Like, if there's one thing I know about us Nigerians is whenever we're being represented like that, like, Man, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. People forget all this, like tribe and stuff. Like I've seen, I've seen what football does to Nigerians, right? People op open their houses. Everybody, like the woman where they sell beer for my area, for my area for first time. That day, nobody they pay money. Everybody is watching. Like I remember my house, Agbani Darego. 
Don't nobody care about whether she's from the everybody just wants to get so 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 it means that it means and I agree with you, it means that yeah. those those ingredients are already there. We just need They're to cook the food. Uh, we don't have a like like Mark said, we don't have a leadership that is cooking the food. We just need to continue to encourage those things, put it out there so that so that it doesn't just stop at football. So it goes right. into where Max Max um mom is doing stuff and, and she you know Every other thing, every other desire, every other like every other industry, education, so that we it doesn't just stop at one place. Now, naturally, we have a passion for football, so we if the ingredients is there, we're already putting it into football because we have a passion for that. We need to sort of pervade it so that it goes through the system, the police, um, electricity, power, water, everything that we're suffering. You know, people need to have a sense of pride, a sense of dignity. I work for NEPA, so you cannot, you you will have light, my friend. In, in NEPA yeah. is National Electric Power Authority for Nigeria. We are proud that we are providing you electricity. It needs to get into that sort of mindset from the top to the bottom. Not yeah. like NEPA right. man coming to your house and just cutting off your light, say, ah, you never pay, give me your bill, nothing. It's, it's also like when you go on Twitter and like people try to pick on Nigerians, like maybe Kenyans or Ghanaians, that's when you know Nigerians are united. Like they were. Yo, yo, the rate. <laughs> The rate at which we're united in diaspora, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you can testify to it. Let me see. I mean, you know how it is in America. Like, yo, you cannot say anything about Nigerians. And nah, uh, 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 uh. We're coming for you. We're coming. You know, so the thing is, we need that same energy. We, 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 need, we, we need that same energy internally, you know. We need that same energy internally. Like, we, we, we stand up for ourselves. We're united, you know, out there in front of people about our music about our movies, the TV, film, everything that we're doing, even as, 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 as a college, because Nigerians are making a lot of progress in the United States, you know, uh, with uh, uh, colleges and schools and, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, you see Nigeria move, move in the diaspora and everything, when they take menial jobs and everything, you can be rest assured that you're not going to see him there for a long time. He has a, he has a game plan. And just give him a year from six months to a year and he's out. You might be able to see a Liberian person or any other African countries work in that same meal job for like a, a you know a number of years for like five six seven years and they're still there mm -mm, but not a nigerian you know because a nigerian man always have one plan or the other you know so we just have to like you know bring that same energy internally and uh, you know see how we can and first of all it starts with conversations like this so kudos to you michael yemisi Tonye, you guys uh, i just i wish this, this <laughs> is like catalyst that can you know spread around and, and of course <laughs> Thank you, thank, thank you, you Obina, because you, you really just hit the nail on the head. I was going to actually close this session with what you just said, which was basically, you know, how do we, we have all this greatness, you know, and it feels almost as if it's all over the place. But, you know, we come united, you know, in things like when people come for us or in sports or, you know, in winning Miss World. <laughs> but um, how do we channel all of this energy to something positive that unites us as a nation and then gives us a sense of direction? Because and as a continent. Speaking, and as a country, as a continent, what we're trying to speak to is what the, what life will be like in the next 50 years, right? I really what like that you like mentioned Miss World. Sorry, Yams, I really yeah. like that you mentioned Miss World there. And remember when Agbani Darego won that Miss World. Remember mm -hmm. what it meant to us. Remember the answer that she gave to the question that she was asked. And how that just changed the view of people, what people thought about the Nigerians. narrative. The yeah. narrative. Yes. Those things are really important. Those things should not be yes. taken for granted. And, and, yes. you know, and people, I think people were already, you know, wanting to be the next yeah. Miss World. The, the inspiration, the aspiration it yeah. gave so many people. Anyway, yeah. yes, carry on. That, that's yes, and I think that it's very easy for all of us to, because we're so frustrated, it's very easy to have a defeatist attitude. 
about you know what it means to be Nigerian. But Agbani Durego brought the positive, you know. Uh, I mean, she spoke to positivity even in her responses. So it was something. <laughs> so Sunny is over there. <laughs> People are having a separate conversation. But yeah, it's very easy for, for us to have that visa to you. But we need to have conversations like this. We need to start getting out of the mindset of, you know, nothing can be done. You know, it's all doom and gloom. We need to start understanding what power we have to be able to change some of these conversations and actually change what our identity will be going forward. But you guys have been amazing. Thank you, Sonny. I think I also wanted to say something. Also, oh, any, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So not much. I just wanted to, I remembered what I wanted to uh, say in response to EMC, which Shaji actually addressed. So it was just, just about the outfit, the um, topic of outfits. And basically, the reason why I said it was um, suits are you know, considered formal outfits. But I understand where you're coming from where um, we should be, we should have to decide, okay, we don't have to wear it on certain days. You choose when you want to. You know, I understand the whole thing. You've explained everything, so that's fine. But um, before, I, before we end, I just want to add something, really minor detail. Um, we should always try to, as much as possible, um, Michael mentioned that what are the areas we can talk about decolonizing our mindset? You know, and some people give some ideas. But I just want to mention that um, it's also important for us to learn from history. Because I remember back in, I've done some research, like we've done some reading on history and even Africa after we got our independence, right? Why did most, almost every country in Africa fail? Like, I don't think at the time when we were getting independence, we thought we were going to end up the way we are today. Why did we fail? What caused us to fail? And let's not repeat the mistakes of the past. Let's not repeat the mistakes of the past. Um, a lot of Africans were really educated in the 60s, many of them had traveled abroad, studied, came back, you know, it's different now. People are traveling abroad, don't want to come back. But then people started, went, started abroad, came back to develop their country. And then, you know, it turned from the Europeans being the bad colonizers who did this to us. And then we became in charge. And then look at how it turned out. You know, so we have to learn from the past. We have to be very careful going forward. We have to learn from the past and not repeat the mistakes of the past while we're trying to like chart new um, paths of progress for continent as a whole. All over Africa, I've looked at so many countries around the world, Africa. Um, no, so, yeah. sorry to cut you. That's I want to share. I, I just want to, okay, okay, great. So I'm going to respond. Um, I don't have all my facts right, but I'm just going to respond from a personal point of view. I don't have the data to back this of why uh, some of these countries struggled and failed because the system that was put in place, for instance, pre- uh, uh, pre uh, the independence and pre-Nigeria, there was a pre-Nigeria because this entire region, a re, a, a, an entire area, a, pe people in an entire area, they were brought together and a country was created. So countries were created, um, people were brought together, systems were put in place, the government that they handed over to was selected by them. They brought, they did all of these things together. So it was conditioned to fail or to uh, enable a particular system where they still benefit from. So it was, it's just based on the way it was structured. So it failed because probably we did not see beyond that moment of let's just be free. 
it's almost like the, this entire conversation about slavery is almost like also asking the question, why is it that slavery ended uh, so long ago, but Black people are still talking about slavery and racism and still talking about how they don't get equal opportunities. The systems are already in place. That's why we are trying to dismantle systemic racism. The systems that they had already arranged are, were already in place. The fact that a country or a group of people were brought together in the case of Nigeria and they created a country out of it, regardless of how diverse they, these people are, not taking into consideration of how diverse they are rather, and seeing how they can coexist together, how they can work together, and how they can squash their differences together without creating that uniting bond. So it was created together and then they just took a step back and put the structures in place that you know, that would make a mess out of the entire thing. And then that whole divide and conquer thing also came into place, came into play. So there are so many reasons why um, some of these African countries struggled or failed, and so many reasons why some today are probably still struggling. So, but I would really, really like to liken it or to really attach it um, attach that concept to the entire idea of what they are, the structures that they are putting in place. So, but I completely 100% hear you when you say that we should not make the same mistake again, which is why I said something along the lines of there are people that this is their career, this is their profession, this is what they know, how to do best, how to bring people together, how to make a government work, how to strategize on plans and execute plans that will be beneficial to citizens of a particular country. They are experts at this. They are people that go to school for this. And this is the only thing that they know how to do. It's like standing there that is pressing his phone. He's an economist. And he knows it. Oh, he's not, he's not even an economist. What is Sani again? <laughs> he's an IA. Computer person. Computer person. But yeah, so, once again, we have untangled and we keep on untangling and now we're finding more topics to untangle again. And I'm very <laughs> sure that if we're on this for another four hours, we'll still continue to untangle new topics. But uh, that being said, I just wanted to close out. Uh, and I want to thank everybody for showing up for the live session and also for the after show. Sonny, you've been fantastic. I can see you're carrying your bag. You're ready to, you're ready to come to Nigeria. <laughs> um, <laughs> for Nonso, Nonso, obviously you have very spirited um, you know, conversations. Your opinions are very, I mean, the passion in your voice is fantastic. Dee joined us very late. Hi, Dee. Um, Obina. We're going to be calling you Obina from now on. <laughs> okay, no problem, no problem. No problem. <laughs> We've decolonized your name. Yes, we have. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you guys next week. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, we, um, online dating this afternoon, Norm. So please tap into that conversation. I'm sure you have a lot of things to say about that. Take care. Wow, that was such an amazing session. What did you guys think? I mean, the people made a couple of good points. Yes, <laughs> it was so it was so amazing. And like I want I want everyone at the beginning of the show, we tend to go off every now and then, but we always really back in, we always come back. But it was such an amazing session and the conversation and the ideas and just everyone just 
talking and sharing where they stand and what they think and all of that. And Max, uh, Sunny, and Nonso, you guys were really, really amazing. Some amazing talking points. And you guys don't know this, but even when we are having these conversations, they, we are also chatting. The chat uh, box or the chat platform is really, really active. So even when people are not talking, they are still contributing to the entire conversation. So, uh, uh, Toya, what did you think? I think it was incredible. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, noting from the discussion, you know, the, the passion that was just shown, um, it was a mixture of different feelings, really, whilst people were talking. But you could see the zeal for, for people to try and, you know, proffer new ideas or proffer things that they think can make, can make Nigeria better. Um, we, from, we, we went from decolonization to capitalism to even, <laughs> even conversations about world wars. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was, it was broad. It was extensive and fun. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> so uh, guys, as you're listening, the, these conversations are really, really organic and unscripted. And uh, remember that we are not experts. We are just everyday people engaging in uh, interesting conversations or engaging in conversations that we believe that people we need to really untangle. We need to look deeper into. So I, we really hope that this particular episode was of uh, value to you that you found value in this episode or that you find value in this episode. And um, thank you for listening to that very long <laughs> conversation. Yeah, it, long, but it, was, it, was, it had a lot of content in it. Thank you guys yes. so much. Thank you everyone for listening in and we will see you very soon. Remember that <clears throat> this is our... Uh, a platform where it's a people's platform, it's a community and if you want to be part of this conversation, if you want to be part of the live show or the after show, you can tune in every Sunday by 5pm on our Instagram live which is at ontam.gold I'm going to spell that at u-n-t-a-n dot g-l-e-d and then the after show is on Zoom. Shortly or two minutes after the live show, the live show runs from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. West African time and 11 a.m. to 12 noon Central time. And the after show is from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. West African time and noon to 1 p.m. Central time. So you can be part of this conversation, the live show, the after show. You can send us a, an email. You can DM us if you want to be part. If there, there are topics that you think we should talk about, there are topics that you are passionate about and you want to even come on as a co-host of the show, it's a people's platform. That's all what I'm trying to say here. So please uh, share this with your friends, with your family. Subscribe, like, follow us on our social media pages. We're going to add all of this, the links and information on our show notes. So thank you so much for joining us today. It's been amazing talking to all of you. And thank you, Yemisi and Tonya. You guys are forever amazing. And I love you too. Thank you, Mike. Thank you too. Thank Great you, job Michael. from you too. Thanks, Tony.
Alright, see you people very soon. Bye. Bye. See ya.